know how she's feeling today, but she's been dealing with a really bad uh, migraine. So let's just uh, call that thing down in the name of Jesus, shall we? Lord God, in the name of Jesus, we pray for our sister in the Lord right now. Lord God, that you rush right in and whatever the issue, the issue is, Lord God, that you would just correct it. Lord God, as you have created her body, Lord God, remake her body the way it's supposed to work. We call forth the word of faith and healing right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, whether she's on or not, Lord God, but wherever she is, Lord God, send healing and comfort and peace into her home right now. Hallelujah, and I thank you for it. I thank you for it. I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is so good, folks. God is so good. The Lord, you know, has, has us on a journey, and I know that sounds cliche, and I'm not, that's not the message, but uh, I'm not trying to be trite or cliche. Oh, I'm on a journey. Uh, we, it's funny. This is just a side note, but we were out in Indiana a few weeks ago, and um, we, uh, we passed by a church, and the church's name was The Journey. And uh, my, my friend was, I, I don't know if he was trying to do a Donald Trump impersonation, but he was like, The Journey. You know, and uh, he was like, oh, we're on a journey. You know? But it is true. I mean, we can make fun of it, but it is true. We're all, we're all on a journey. We might be different parts of the road, but, you know, it's true. And some of, some of those, some of those uh, times are, are just fine. We, we look back, we don't even hardly remember them. And other times we really remember them because of all the hardships that we go through and all the bumps and all the things we had to learn how to figure out how to navigate. Well, we didn't really have to figure out the Lord's help uh, uh, navigated us through that road. And, I, and I'm, I'm not trying to borrow from Pilgrim's Progress. I'm not doing that. I'm just trying to say the Lord had me on, on a road. And what's, uh, what's interesting to me is usually it's the one, it's the part of the road that we remember the most because of all the hardships. 20 years later, we remember them as the good old days. Isn't that weird? The, hard, the hardest times we ever go through, we look back and say, oh, those were fond memories. What are you, what are you nuts? You know, oh, I wish I could go back to when I was 16. Yeah? Uh, the time of my life where I had acne and uh, I had to go to school and no girls liked me. And... Uh, yeah. I don't really want to go back to those days. I, I, I've learned that information. I've walked that path. I want to keep going. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. But, you know, uh, we were came in here last week and we, uh, we spoke a message. I mean, I didn't really give you a title, but I, I often never do. But what I put on my own little uh, note paper was uh, the God of rest. You know, the God of rest. And then we got in here and uh, we told everybody last week, oh, don't worry, this one's going to be a little bit nicer of a message. The, the prophet's not going to yell at you today. And I don't know if I did or not. But, uh, but then we come back in here on Wednesday night and I'm thinking, oh, great, Lord, we're finally out of that camera session. And the Lord just drops Lord the boom on us again. He starts talking about Baal. So he's talking about the God of rest on Sunday. And then last Wednesday he starts talking about false gods, in particular Baal. And the Lord, you know, just talking with other men of God and just things that the Lord is showing me and uh, personal places that I'm in right now and where the Lord's got me, he's, uh, he's got me tearing down 
me and my wife both. He's got us tearing down old gods in our life. You say, well, pastor, you had God, false gods in your life? Well, if I had known they were there, they'd have been dealt with before. <laughs> but it uh, turns out there, there, there were still some things. There were still some issues and we didn't know what they were. Sometimes you think you're dealing with people's personalities. Sometimes you think you're dealing with your own temperament. Sometimes you, you just chalk it up as well. That's life, you know. Frank Sinatra, anybody? Yeah, anyways, <laughs> moving on. Uh, yeah, well, that's just life, whatever. You know, that's just the way it goes. But there's nothing random in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There, there's absolutely nothing coincidental or arbitrary in the walk when we make a full determination, I'm going to serve the living God. There's no more coincidences. Praise God. You might have this incident coinciding with this incident, but rest assured, it's God putting it together for a reason. Why did God wait so long to deal with certain issues in my life? Well, in another 20 years, if he tarries and I'm still alive, there'll be more issues to deal with. All I can do is deal with what I've got today. All I can do is just take care of what God is, by His grace and mercy, is allowing me to take care of today. And really, it's Him taking care of it. Cast all of your care upon Him because He careth for you. In other words, throw all your anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, and confusion upon Him because He's taking good care of you. Praise God. He's not worried about us. So you stop worrying about anything. Right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We might even read that verse today. Uh, Philippians chapter 4. We probably will some at some point during this message. But as God, you know, and, and the, the pattern kind of struck me. I think it was yesterday or maybe it was, I was out there doing the grass on Friday, I think, and it kind of struck me. Wow. So I, I know I'm dealing with gods in my life, but sometimes we think they're spirits or sometimes we think they're, old curses or sometimes we think they're just unsubmitted parts of our life or whatever and the Lord's had me and my wife understand no there sometimes these can, things can be gods mm -hmm. these things can be things that you worship without knowing you worship them mm -hmm. and, and, and the Lord began to bring to me an understanding how do you know you're worshiping something you shouldn't worship when God's not in the picture we can go all the way back to Exodus chapter 20, can't we? Yes. I am the Lord your God that brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Yes. Right? Yes. And I don't want any other God in your life but me. So if I'm dealing with someone and the Lord gives me a word or the Lord uh, gives me some sort of interaction and I'm more worried about their feelings and I'm more worried about my feelings than I'm worried or obedient to what God says to do, then I'm actually cutting God out of the picture, aren't I? I'm, I'm making this situation and this situation more important than the living God's word and command in my life. Excuse me, my pants keep falling down. I'll get, I'll get them. I'll just pull my suspenders a little bit. All right. Comic relief. Everybody take a deep breath. Oh, God makes fools out of people just to, uh, just to let you know we're still people. All right. So, Moving on. I'm going to get to Scripture here in a minute. But moving on, I realized it's not only God dealing with gods in my life. He's talking about the God of rest Sunday. And then he's talking about the false god Baal 
on Wednesday. Well, why do we need to uh, learn about some old ancient pagan god? Because sometimes these things still rise up. Oh, we can call them by different names. You know, they, they worship Molech out in Hollywood. They, they do. They may not call him Molech. I don't know what they call him. But they, they worship the god of wealth. They worship the god of convenience, prosperity. And they'll even offer up their own children upon this altar in order to become prosperous. This is the whole spirit behind abortion. This is not prosperous for me. This is not convenient for me. And so I'll offer up this life given by God. It's this spirit that, that's there. Now, they, we can call them different things. We can call them different titles. But, you know, often sometimes the Lord has this deal with, uh, come on, we've all heard this. You've heard me talk about it a lot. That spirit of Jezebel, right? Mm -hmm. Praise God. In the name of Jesus, there's no Jezebel here. Praise God. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Thank thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Amen. But there has been in times past. That spirit of Jezebel can get into a church and absolutely ruin a church. Mm -hmm. So how can a spirit, a devil, how can that be more powerful than God? They're not more powerful than God. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Does anybody believe that God amen. is the creator of everything, including yes. the angels, right? Yes. And those created beings cannot be more powerful than him. And they cannot win in the end. So how is it that a devil can come in and mess up a church when people give more attention to it than the living God? That's right. yes. they, they literally give their own power. Isn't this what Adam and I said in a minute, man, I'm, I'm starting to get into a vein here. Isn't it amazing how Adam and Eve gave up their power, gave up their responsibility, gave up their God-giving ministry and anointing to the devil when they started doing what he said, started paying attention more to what he was saying they could have than the Almighty God. Amen. They already had everything good. They already had everything they, they that was not just to eat, but everything that was good to eat, and even everything that was good to look at. They already had dominion over the whole earth. How was it that the devil enticed Eve? Oh, oh, lust, uh, lust of the eye, right? Oh, it looks good. Lust of the flesh. Oh, that that's going to feel good, and that's going to give in to my own uh, uh, sensual cravings, and oh, the pride of life, right? On that one. I mean, I know we, we, we talk about that stuff in 1 John chapter 4, but how about Genesis chapter 3? When she saw that that tree was, you know, and you notice something, she wasn't even looking at the fruit, she was looking at the tree. We're not going to read it right now. We could. Oh, okay, let me just go back on my word here. Let's go ahead and read it. Now the serpent, this is Genesis chapter 3. Third chapter of your Bible. If you don't know where that is, just go all the way at the beginning and turn a couple pages, you'll be good. Chapter 3, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, Ye shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. She added to the word of God, That will get you... Uh, messed up every time. That was, that was the part of the mistake. And when the woman saw that the tree was good. It does not say when the woman saw the fruit on the tree was good. She was looking at the tree. She was looking at the structure itself. 
She was looking at the structure of the, of the vegetation, we call a tree, of course. Come on, we all know what trees are. Uh, that has its root system in the ground. It's pulling different things up from the ground. It's getting the same sunlight we do. It's getting the same air we do, even though it breathes carbon dioxide, we breathe oxygen. It's getting water and nutrients from the soil, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes, well, I don't know if it rained in those days, but anyway, it's getting water and nutrients. But it says when she saw that the tree was good, and that it, well, well, it was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. Notice, she's not even looking at the fruit or the offspring. She's looking at the power to make offspring. But she already had every tree that was good to eat. She already had every tree. According to Genesis chapter 2, God planted in that garden every good-looking tree. He planted every tree that was good for food. Amen? I personally think he planted every tree that was even good for shelter and shade or anything like that. They probably had perfect weather. That's my theory anyway. But you see where I'm going with this? She already had all this. She already, with her husband as her head, but the two of them were already over the entire creation. But where did the problem come from? Because she listened more to a devil. Then she listened to the words of God. Therefore, she gave that devil her power. And Adam, of course, gave up that same power later. And that caused everything to happen thereafter. We're not going to give you the whole lesson, the whole history lesson. Everybody okay so far? Praise God. We've got all this going on. Because someone, so, yes, can Jezebel get into a church? And destroy that church. Yes, if people give her more power than they're given to God. If they're giving her more attention, if they're giving her more praise than they're given to the living God, then yes, that thing can swell. The devil has been spoiled at Calvary, according to Colossians chapter 2. Everybody with me? He's been spoiled. If you don't know what the word spoiled means, we, usually we just talk about, you know, like rotten meat or something. But spoiled in the old days, five, four or five hundred years ago, meant disarmed. Or disrobed. Or all of your goods being taken. Okay? But it also meant disarmed. In other words, all of the devil's armaments taken away. So he's as a roaring lion who walketh about seeking whom he may devour. But if you understand, his teeth have been pulled. His claws have been pulled. And he's on a chain. Again, back to Pilgrim's Progress, right? Anyway, if you've never read that book, it's alright. It's a good one, but we're not going to try to preach out of that today. His claws have been pulled. So how is it? How is it that you can give the devil any power? How is it that the devil can do anything to you? Because God has given into your hands the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's a sword. Come on, we might talk about that sword a little later. It's a sword, folks. A sword is not a tool. It's a tool of killing, but it's not... You can't use a sword for anything other than killing. You can't really go out and plow your field with a sword. You can beat your swords into plowshares, but you see how you have to change its form in order to make it work for something else? Everybody with me? But a sword, you know, is something that you don't hunt with. You don't don't run up to a deer and try to hack it with a sword. You ain't never going to make it, right? So you don't hunt with a sword. 
You know, it's not a tool. You're not, you're not going to cut your steak with a sword. It's, it's useful for one thing. Hacking and slashing. So understand, when God has given into our hand the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, this is for cutting down the enemy. Mm. Now, is that all it's for? Well, no, because this is also the bread of life. So it becomes whatever we need. <laughs> Praise God. He's also the bread of life. Amen? Coming down from heaven. He's the man from heaven. He also has a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth when he needs to have a double-edged sword coming. You know what I'm saying? So his Word is him. He is His Word. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But here's, here's the real problem with spirits like Jezebel. Her name means Baal is my husband. The real problem is not Jezebel. The real problem is Baal. Right? So we got in here and we're talking about God's tearing down God's, but letting God be God again. Turn with me very quickly, Psalm 136. Praise God, Psalm 136. We used to have to memorize this back in the old days. Of, uh, Sister Ann, Sister Esther's not in here, but we used to go to the school. I don't even know the name of the school. All I knew was is Brother Eckerberry's school. Eckleberry. It's hard to say sometimes. Brother Eckleberry was the pastor of a church. And he had a church school in his church. It was also the, the church that my grandfather Hayes went to. Uh, mostly he, he went to a lot of, he would visit a lot of churches as he was able. But his home church was, uh, again, don't know the name of the church. All we knew is it was Brother Echoberry's church. <laughs> and uh, they believed in memorization of scripture. Now, one good thing about uh, Psalm 136 is it wasn't that hard to memorize because you just had to memorize the first part, and the second part's always the same. For most of it, anyway. Well, actually, yeah, the whole thing, the whole thing, all 26 verses. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the, this is the second line. God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. He keeps going on and on and on in that vein. So when you realize that every verse ends with, for he's good and his mercy endureth forever, well, you can just memorize that once and you get it all for the rest of the 26 verses. You just have to memorize the first parts, mm -hmm. or which is for 26 verses is kind of tough. But turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Sorry, folks, you know me. I'm going to have you flipping all over your Bibles, okay? Just don't triple. <clears throat> Praise God. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we have all knowledge. Problem is, knowledge puffs us up. All the way back to Eve. She's looking at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay? Knowledge of good is always good. Knowledge of evil is always evil. See how that works? You know what the worst part is? It's the mixture. It's the mixture. Even Jesus said, I would that you are all the way cold. But because you're lukewarm, I, you're making me sick. Mm. Jesus said that to me. Yeah, he did. Check it out. Revelation chapter 3. Now, as touching things offered to idols, we know that we have all knowledge, but knowledge puffs up. It's love. It's love and action that actually builds us up. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. 
Oh, that's if you're dealing with pride, if you're dealing with a know-it-all spirit, that's a good one to pray. Okay, Lord God, I know I don't know anything yet as I need to know. Another good one is Galatians chapter 6. When you think you're something, when you're really nothing. That'll just cut you right down. Yeah. Another one's Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Uh, let no man think more highly of himself than he ought. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise you start putting some of these verses together in your life. And uh, maybe I'm talking to someone. I don't think anything's random in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise God. If there's anybody here dealing with a spirit of pride, start praying and claiming these verses over your life. And you'll understand. And let God be true and every man a liar. That'll put you in your place. Start praising God. That puts you in your place. And the best place to be, which is at the uh, foot of the throne of God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. That's where God can really start working on you. Praise God. Amen. 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 Let's move on. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. Oh, I wish I had time to really break all these verses down, but we're not in teaching mode here. We're in preaching mode. So moving on, verse number four, as concerning, therefore, the eating of those things which are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. Hallelujah. Amen. His name is Jesus. I'm adding that in, but I think Paul would be all right if I did that. And I'm pretty sure Jesus is okay if I say that too. <clears throat> Verse number five, for though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven and in earth, parentheses, as there be gods many and lords many. Didn't Paul just get done saying, we know there's no God but one. These guys are just all false. He turns right around and says, yeah, but there are gods and lords many. Okay, now you're confusing us, Paul. And I'm, I'm helping Paul confuse you by reading these verses. We'll get there. We'll get there. Verse number six. But to us, if you're willing, why don't you put your hand right on your heart and include yourself in that us. But to me. But to us. But to us. There is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him. And one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Praise God. Chew on that one a little while. Uh, you go home and pray about it. Chew on it. and You'll get some real good doctrine out of that verse. Notice what it says in the very next verse. How be it. There is not in every man that knowledge. Not everybody knows that. Not everybody knows what all the Corinthians, a young immature church, knew. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour to eat it as a thing offered unto an idol... And their conscience being weak is defiled. You see, Paul is giving us a principle. If you keep your mind on something, then you're going to follow after that something. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 26. Everybody okay? Yep. Praise God. Isaiah 26. Somebody say God is good. God is good. Praise God. Isaiah 26, verse number 3, it says this. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm breaking right into a, a, a very heavy passage of Scripture here. Uh, I, I usually don't like putting things out of context, but we are just going to read the one verse because it's a good one. He 
Thou wilt, sorry, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. If you didn't know, he's, he's talking up to the Lord. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in you. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a two-stage process here. Listen, he'll, well, actually, it's three, okay? He'll, you're going to have peace when you keep your mind on God, amen? amen? But why do you keep your mind on God? Because you trust in God. So what comes first? The trust comes first. But really what comes first is the Word of God. The Word of God comes. We say, I trust in that. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, I'm trusting in the standard that the Lord will raise up against him. Yes. Amen? Amen? Praise God. When the enemy tries to kill my body, I trust in the one who created my body. Oh, Jesus, help me. Praise God. You know, <laughs> Jesus is referred to as the lion and the lamb. He's referred to as the shepherd and the sheep. He's referred to as the high priest and the righteous lamb. He's referred to as one who created all things and he also is referred to and shown very plainly in the scripture as the one who was destroyed by his creation he is the one that came from heaven into this life but also the same one who resurrected and left this situation is a, is is this a a dupe is this a dichotomy is this a is this the false teaching is this a lot of old paganistic religions jammed into one no, it's not. We just have to understand. We have what we need in Jesus. Amen? Amen. He gives us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Paul says, behold the goodness and severity of God. He's not always just kind and helping and healing. Sometimes he is rebuking and correcting and reproving. And a lot of times we need more than that than anything else. Mm -hmm. he, he keeps putting us in the path. He keeps putting us like, oh, no, 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 go that, no, 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 go that way. Sometimes he has to smack us a little bit to get us to go that way. Mm -hmm. Well, that, uh, no, Jesus doesn't say, yeah, he does, he does. Mm -hmm. But he's going to keep us in perfect peace when we have our minds stayed on him. See, yeah. Paul basically said, whatever you fill your heart and your mind with, whatever knowledge you fill, that's going to that's fill you up. Jesus also said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth's going to speak. So what are you going to talk about? What you're being filled up with. What is going to be the outflow of your life, you know? Uh, 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 the, the, the tongue uh, in the power, uh, the tongue has the power of uh, death and life, according to the book of Proverbs, right? right? Somewhere in there, I can't remember the passage, but I'm sure some of you know it. The power of death and life is in the tongue. We, uh, we also know out of Isaiah, was that 55? I create the fruit of the lips. In other words, what we say becomes creative. And we're not talking about some stupid new age uh, laws of attraction garbage, okay? We're talking about word of God. God created us in his image. He created us by his words and by his hands forming us. It was a twofold process how he created. He spoke us in. But then he formed us. Praise God. Amen. He spoke the idea in, but we got formed. And we see that if you want to study Genesis uh, chapter 1 with me one time. Uh, 
I suggest you don't because we can, we can go for hours just on the first chapter. But that will keep him in perfect. The idea is he heard the word of God. We hear the word of God. We trust in the word of God. And because we trust in the word of God, we just keep hearing from God. We just keep, keep getting filled up with God. Mm. And our mouth begins to speak it. Mm. And then godly stuff starts getting created in our life. Not for us, but for godliness as well. So that we be like Christ. So that as he is, so are we in this life. Right. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. So there's, there's so many steps to this. And, uh, you know, we can, we can go to John chapter 1. And, and we can see a, a, a similar process. You know, in a verse that can be confusing if we don't break it down. And we're looking at verse number 12. But as many as received him... To them gave he the power or power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Really, the first thing here again, over in Isaiah, it was trust. Over here, it's belief. Right? But you're not going to believe anybody you don't trust. Right. So it's really the same arena, right? We trust God. Therefore, we believe him. Therefore, we receive him, and when we receive him, we get power, and that power leads us to become like him. Praise God. And this is the goal, for us to be like him. For us to do the works he did, greater works than these shall you do. Why? Because you'll be like me. The problem is the devil has told many of us, and unfortunately we believed it, that we can never be like Jesus. Oh, it's sacrilegious to think we can be like Jesus. No, it's sacrilegious to think that you are Jesus. Right. But it's not wrong to think that you can be like him. Right. Because he has given us the opportunity and even told us and commanded us to be like him. Mm-hmm. Be ye perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. If that wasn't sacrilegious for Jesus to say, then it's not sacri- uh, sacrilegious to quote Romans chapter 8 and say, We are joint heirs right. with him. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's take a praise break. Lord God, we thank you for the word. Lord God, we thank you for the word of life. We thank you for the word of health. Praise God. Praise God. Believe it or not, believe it or not, folks, I'm trying to get to my notes here. Praise God. We're trying to talk about the God of peace. Come on, we need the God of rest. And we need the God of peace. And we need the God God of love and peace. And we need the God of salvation. And we need the God of hope. And come on, all that's in there, all that is in the Bible. We need the God of power. And the God of might. The God of strength. We need the God of glory. The God of righteousness. And the God of holiness. Amen. Amen. We need this God in our life. And it happens to be just one God. To combat many we're just going to take one sliver for the next few minutes. We're going to take one sliver. The God of peace. In the book of Romans, chapter 15. Right at the end, as, as Paul is closing out his letter, he, he uses most of chapter 16 as a, as a way to, you know, to tell all the different people, oh, okay, you know, this, that, and the other, and all these wonderful things, and oh, greet this one, greet that one, and... and, he, and Chapter 16 is a bunch of names. There's a few gems in there, too. We might even pull out one of those gems. Right at the end of his... Kind of, kind of, I think what it was is Paul was trying to wrap up his letter to the Romans. 
uh, of people that he did not save, a people that uh, a church he did not start, a city that, as far as we know, he had not yet gotten to. But he says, I want to bear fruit amongst you as well. They read that at the beginning of the book. Right at the end of chapter 15, it says, Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Well, usually when you say amen, that's the end of the letter. And I guess they thought about, about, about that because, oh, I didn't even mention Phoebe or I didn't even mention this guy or this guy or this guy and, and Priscilla and Aquila, my good friends. I uh, yeah, forgot about them. But let, let's look down to, uh, let's look all the way down to verse 19. Your, for your obedience has come abroad unto all men. Uh, oh, sorry, this is uh, chapter 16. Chapter 16, verse 19. I, I probably didn't tell you that, did I? Chap next chapter, 16, verse number 19. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. In other words, hey, just keep it, you know, kiss, right? K-I-S-S. Keep it simple. Silly. Ah, uh, so you thought I was going to say stupid. <laughs> keep it simple. Then when it comes to that stuff, keep it simple. Right? Speaking about kissing, you know, keeping it simple. When I taught the uh, junior high school class years and years ago, a constant question that would come up was, uh, how far is too far? I looked at one lady one time and I said, you've already gone too far. <gasps> what does he know? I said, if you're asking the question, you've already gone too far. Keep it simple. Leave it alone. <laughs> Leave it alone. That's the way it is with evil. Don't mess around with it. Don't ask how far can I go before I'm over the line. You've already gone over the line. Because you're looking that way instead of to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Amen. You will never travel the path unless you're looking at the goal. Amen? Amen. And sometimes you've got to look at the path you're walking. Praise God. You can't be looking behind you. No man looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Because you're always going to go off course. Those are the words of Jesus in the book of Matthew, in case you're wondering. I don't know the reference, okay? But he goes on and says, For your obedience has come abroad. I want you to be simple when it concerns evil. And verse 20 says, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. See, this is counterintuitive. And I love that word, and I say it probably every week, multiple times. Counterintuitive. The word of God is counterintuitive. Why? Because his ways and thoughts are higher than ours. Mm -hmm. We can't figure him out with his noodle. Mm -hmm. We're not smart enough. None of us are. Right. Mm -hmm. So normally we would think, okay, Lord, you get Satan out of my life and I'll have peace. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, no, the God of peace is going to crush Satan. Mm -hmm. You just stay away from evil mm -hmm. and pay attention and put knowledge of goodness into your heart. Amen? Amen. If you just exercise your senses... With the word of God, you'll know how to discern between good and evil, according to Hebrews chapter 5. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen? Just keep putting the word of God in you, and you'll know the difference. Have you ever been duped? you ever been conned? you ever, you ever, uh, you ever run across someone that you thought was a great guy, and it turns out they're just a charlatan? Mm -hmm. But Lord, why did I know? Man, fill your life up with the word and with the spirit, and, and that stuff won't happen to you. Right. right. Fill your life up with the word and the spirit, with the knowledge of the holy. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Isaiah 9, 6 talks about Jesus being the prince of peace. Sar Shalom in Hebrew. 
Praise God. How many believes Jesus is the Prince of Peace? Amen. Praise God. Now, I know we're just putting one title to him. There's all kinds of, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, or Everlasting Father, Mighty God, somewhere in there. You know what I'm saying. Right. At the, the very last part, though, was the Prince of Peace. Our Shalom. Well, turn to Matthew chapter 5 real quick. Matthew chapter 5, somewhere in there, in the, the early parts of Matthew 5. Guess what it says about us? It says in verse number 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. So he's the prince of peace. And if we make peace, we become the children of God. See, we, we, we focus on the God of peace, the God of peace, the God of peace. And sometimes we focus on the peace of God, the peace of God, the peace of God. And we forget that God is peace in us. But God is already peace over us. We're waiting for all the situations in our life to change in order to give us peace. And the Lord is saying, I'm already with you. Praise God, I'm already with you. Hallelujah. God is so good, folks. Yes, he is. Yes. God is so good. I love the Lord. Amen. We uh, look, to, look at Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. We, we used to sing a song of this years ago. You know, righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Anybody remember that? Yes. Okay. Praise God. Verse number 17 says, of Romans 14, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in. Everybody say in. In. In, in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. When we are in the Holy Ghost, that's where we get our righteousness, peace, and joy. A lot of times, unfortunately, we're trying to have all these things outside of the Holy Ghost. And I'm not talking about your experience with the infilling. I'm talking about even those of us who are filled with the Holy Ghost and filled with the baptism of the Spirit, baptized in the name of Jesus. Sometimes we're still trying to get righteousness, peace, and joy without going through the Holy Ghost. And that's the reason why we're trying to get everything squared away and locked away before we, we really let God get... Well, if, if we could get everything squared away, it's... Let's say, uh, let's say you have $100,000 in debt. And someone gives you $200,000. Now, logically speaking, intuitively speaking, that's all we need. But we're not only not broke anymore, we actually have the same amount we used to owe. So now we're good to go. No, you're not. You will absolutely be amazed at how fast you'll blow through that second hundred thousand, mm -hmm. and then be in a worse state of debt than you started with. Right. It's human nature mm -hmm. to not respect what you don't uh, earn. But you can't earn the Holy Ghost. That's a free gift. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you don't walk in it, we won't respect it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so this principle comes to us that when we try to get all of our ducks in a row before God comes along and helps us out, then we're just going to be in a worse state. Why? Because we're flawed humans. This is in the Holy Ghost. In the Holy Ghost. Philippians chapter 4. I told you I might get there. We're going to get there right now. Philippians chapter 4. 
Praise God. Verse number six. Be careful or anxious or worrisome for nothing. Well, Pastor, that's hard to do. No, let me go one further. It's impossible to do. It is impossible to not be anxious about certain situations in your life. It's impossible not to worry about certain things in your life. It's impossible not to be careful or full of care. Then why is God so cruel to make this guy Paul write it to us like that? He's, he's just giving us false hope. No, no, no. We've got to understand. It is possible in God. Amen. It's, it's possible in the Holy Ghost. Notice what he says just before that, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Or in other words, he's close by. Amen. He's not some ethereal mass up in the outer limits of our universe. He's right here. He's at hand. So that's why he's able to say, be careful for nothing. But then, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And that's great. But we've got to read the rest of it. Praise God. And the peace of God, which goes beyond your mental understanding, will keep you. Verse 8, finally, my brother, whatsoever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. I know I make this point all the time, and some of you say, yeah, I know exactly what point you're making, and you would be right. I am making that same point again, because it's an important one. A lot of times, we're just looking for the peace of God, but what God wants is us to have the God of peace. Amen. Amen. Now, it doesn't mean he doesn't want us to have peace, otherwise this verse wouldn't have been written, or this passage wouldn't have been written. He wants us to have peace, but what he really wants is to have the God of peace. Yeah, Bethel's a great place, right? right? Bethel in Hebrew means the house of God. But it's not just the house of God that God wants us to experience. He wants us to experience El Bethel, the God of the house of God. Yes. Praise God. If, if, if God's not in the house, then can we even call it the house of God anymore? Well, many years later, Bethel became a place where they set up a golden calf. And I'm going to tell you right now, the living God, the true and living God, was not in that house. Oh, they still call it Bethel, but it wasn't Bethel. Uh, they just had a name for it. That's the reason why Amos came along and said, uh, it's not Bethel anymore, it's Beth Avon, which means the house of stone or something. I can't remember. It's not the house of God anymore. Everybody okay? Yeah. we got a few more verses. Hallelujah. Let's make a comparison. Peace or not peace? <laughs> That's the question. Mark chapter 4, verse 39. If you don't know the story, I'll say, say it really quick. Mark chapter 4, verse 39. We're just going to read the one verse, but let me set up the story. Jesus and his disciples were traveling by sea, Sea of Galilee, and uh, Jesus was asleep in the boat, and uh, the wind and waves and all kinds of crazy stuff was happening, and uh, these uh, some of these guys were fishermen, and they were so worried they were like, "Ah, we're gonna die! 
Hey! They wake him up, and he comes up saying, what's the matter? Look! Look! And he said, peace! Peace still. Or maybe he told them to have peace, and then told the waters to be still. Either one, he gives two commands, right? Peace! Be still. And I believe it was the second one. I believe he was telling his disciples, his followers, his, his apostles, his ordained, called out, sent ones. Amen? I believe he was looking at them and saying, have peace. He didn't still the storm before he told them to have peace. But then he said, all right, you can be calm now. And they made it to shore. And not before he knocked them in the head a little bit. You know, if, if we just read verse 39, and he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it they have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. And said one to another, What man of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Sometimes you just can't win with people. <laughs> ah, we're going to die! Okay, what's the matter with you boys? And they were like, Oh my goodness. Well, why'd you wake him up if you didn't think he could do anything? And then when he did something about it, why are you afraid? <laughs> oh, God help us. You see, that? they didn't even have a heart to peace. But I want you to look at um, Psalm 83 real quick here. I think it's 83. Let me look at my notes. Psalm 83. Yes, it is. Psalm 83. It says, um, back, why don't we just go to the wall first? Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God, right? That's Psalm 46.10. But in this passage, Psalm 83, verse number one, it says, Keep not thou silence, O God, and hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. For lo, thy enemies make a tumult, and they that hate me have lifted up the head, and they have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel be no more in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against them. We could keep reading, but we'll stop there. In other words, the psalmist Asaph in this case is saying, Lord God, don't be peace anymore. Don't be silent anymore. Don't be still anymore. Was that a contradiction to this verse or to... What Jesus did on the sea? No. There are times when the enemy comes against us. We still need peace. But we need him to be something other than peace. <laughs> we need him to bring the smack down, right? Come on. We, we, there's times where the God of peace, we, we don't need the God of peace. We, we need the peace of God in that situation. Because if we have him, We've already got the God of peace too, amen? amen? But we need him to manifest some other way. Read Psalm 18 if, you, if you're wondering about that. Matthew 10, 34, this is another disturbing passage. Matthew 10, 34 says, I uh, think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace. What, what? Hold on now. Hold on now. I remember reading... You know, I remember when I was five years old down south and they put on the Christmas pageant and uh, the, the guy stood up in, in an angel costume and said, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Right? Anybody ever been to one of those deals? Okay. So have I. And uh, so, hey, listen, of course, 
The whole idea is peace. And then Jesus comes along and personally says, don't think I came to bring peace. I didn't. I came to bring a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foe should be they. Oh, come on, man. You're really depressing us now. No, 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 no. No, let's not get too far. Let's not get too far. John 14, 27. John 14, 27. Come on, we're going somewhere with this, folks. Come on, we're trying to introduce you to a better God than the gods of this world. We need to tear down the gods of, of Molech, gods of Baal, the gods of convenience, the gods of perverse lust, the gods of finance and, 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 and uh, all that stuff. Come on. God said make friends with the unrighteous mammon, but he did, didn't say love it. Amen. Amen. Come on, get, get, rid of, get rid of these things and fall back in love with the God of all glory. In this case today, we're focusing on the God of peace. Verse 27 of John 14 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So if, peace, if Jesus didn't come to bring peace, then what is he talking about here? He's saying there's a difference between worldly peace and godly peace. Mm -hmm. What he's saying in Matthew chapter 10 is, I did not come to bring the kind of peace that you thought I was going to bring. I did not come to win over the Roman Empire and bring Israel back to its natural glory. I did not come to bring that kind of peace. I came to bring a sword. I came to bring a word of God. I came to bring a situation. I came to call out a kingdom that is not a kingdom of this earth. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And so because of that, he said, I am giving you peace. My peace I'm giving you. It's not the same as a worldly peace. It's a godly peace because it's the God of peace. Yes. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's wrap it up with Hebrews chapter 13. We're, we're almost done here. Hebrews chapter 13. Praise God. I know I've had a lot of scriptures slamming at you today. But uh, if you're not taking notes, maybe you can get the recording and, uh, and re-listen later because I, I know much study is the weariness of our flesh. I get it. I get it. But in Hebrews chapter 13, it says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He's saying you won't be able to do any of this unless you have the peace of God. In fact, let's just go with what he says. Unless you have the God of peace. Amen? Amen. Last verse, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, I think we all know it. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. How's it going to happen? If you have the God of peace. Come on, the God of peace is in this room today. I know I've said some hard things. I know I've said some tough things. Nobody likes getting yelled at. I get it. I get it. I don't either. But there's still a God in heaven that cares about you. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you could close your eyes with me. 
Hallelujah. Close your eyes with me. Praise God. The God of peace is in this room. The God of peace is right here with us. You may not feel him. And you may be looking for peace. And you might even think you're looking for the peace of God. But the Lord is telling us the answer really is to start thinking about him. Because you'll be in perfect peace if you just put your mind on him. But you're not going to put your mind on him unless you trust him. The Lord is looking at a bunch of his people saying, trust me again. Believe in me again. Believe that everything's going to work out the way I want it to work out. You are my people, and yes, I never promised you that you wouldn't go through hard times. But I did say, I'm going to leave my peace with you. I did say that this kingdom that I'm establishing is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I told you that you would receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Not in your natural body. Not in your nation. But in my kingdom, which is a spiritual kingdom. Come on, with your eyes closed. I wonder if you could just reach out to the Lord. Praise God. Just reach out to the God of peace. Come on, stop trying to make everything work out in your mind. Try, stop trying to figure everything out in your mind. Hallelujah. Stop trying to get out of your troubles. And just go through your troubles with Jesus. Stay on the road, folks. We'll get less correction if we'll just stay on the path. There's a lot of chunks in the path. There's a lot of obstacles in the path. Yes, well, the God of peace is going to teach you how to navigate. Hallelujah. He's going to teach you how to navigate with the Word of God, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Come on, I, I, I wonder if somebody here can just reach out to the Lord. Come on, reach out. We've heard the word of the Lord here today. Come on, we've heard, the, we've heard the word that God perfects us. Come on, we heard the word that He's a God of peace. Hallelujah. He doesn't put up with foolishness, but He's still a God of peace. Yes, yes. He will correct, but He's still a God of peace. He'll let you go through hard times. But he'll let you remember it as good times. Hallelujah. Lord God, give me your peace. But more than that, give me you. Lord God, push out all other gods in my life. Oh, Lord God, push out all other worship centers in my life. I repent of any high place. I repent of any idol. I repent of any God in my life or Jesus that needs to leave. Lord God, but I need you. I need the one true God. And today I need the God who is peace. I need the God who is peace. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name, oh God. Blessed be your name. Come on, let's just cry out to the Lord. I need you. I need you. I need you, Lord God. I'm troubled in my mind. I can't seem to figure out my problems. I don't know why I get depressed sometimes. And I don't know why I get anxious sometimes. And I don't know why I can't keep a relationship. And I, I don't know why I can't keep a job. And I don't know why people just can't get along with me. I need your peace. And rather, I need you. Oh, Lord God, I have trouble in my body. I have pain in my body. It just doesn't seem to want to leave. And I don't understand what's going on. Oh, Lord God, send peace. Send the God of peace. 